How's everybody doing today? Some of you are not smiling. It's better to be in church than the best hospital in town. Can I get it? Amen. Let's be happy we're here this morning. Hey, I just want to add my thoughts uh, to water baptism coming up in September. If you are a follower of Christ and you have never been water baptized, we would love to partner uh, with you in that. Uh, what water baptism is, it's you, it's giving this outward explanation of something that's happened spiritually on the inside of you. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have said yes to Jesus, the next obvious scriptural step is for you to go public with your faith. So we would love to do that with you in September. Also, you know, we know sometimes people um, got baptized or christened as a child. And thank God for that. Thank God for the faith of your parents. But really, that was your parents' choice. Right now, you have a choice to go public with your faith. And you can do that as an adult. It doesn't do away with anything that your parents did when you were a baby or a child. But this is you making the choice to go public with your faith. So make sure you sign up for that at InfoDesk after the service. All right, we are in part two of our series that we have called uh, Renew and Reflect. And really, this is us being renewed on the inside with these different characteristics of God. And then those things should be reflected in our lives. Uh, We should constantly be renewed. We know physically, every day, uh, we should be getting a solid six to eight hours of sleep, and then that renews us physically. And we know that there's uh, different times throughout the year that we should be taking vacation. We should be taking some vacation right now or planning some vacation so that we can renew ourselves physically. And this is something that should just be normal practice for us as followers of Jesus. These things are uh, placed into our lives on purpose so that we can be renewed. Now, it's important to be renewed physically, but it's also important to be renewed spiritually. And this is a little bit what we're focusing on in this series so that we can be um, walking in the ways of God. And then those things can be reflected in our lives to the other people that we are doing life with. You know, because the reality is we're going to be facing some sort of uphill battle at some point in our lives. And we need to be renewed and ready to take those things on. The word renew um, just means to be restored, change, refresh, make new spiritually, bring back again. And so we're going to be looking at different ways in this series how to do that. And what I love about the scripture is that we can see the humanity of the people that God talks about in the scripture, that they weren't superhumans. Um, They weren't Superman and your favorite Marvel hero. Uh, They were just human beings. And as we see the stuff that they went through and the difficulties that they had, that God renewed them. God brought them back. And the same will be true for us. Isaiah 40 was already said this morning by our worship team. Are you thankful for our worship team? Amen. I know that they had to work through some technical difficulties this morning, but we didn't know. (laughs) And they were able to lead us in worship this morning. So thankful for them. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says this. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We shall be renewed. Why? Because there's things that we have to do. There's things that we're going to run towards and move towards. And God wants us to be renewed, ready for those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So what is this talking about? Just on the outside, we're all aging. Amen. That time and gravity, 
will beat us all at one point, even the person with the freshest skin in the room. (laughs) Eventually, time will take its toll on you. But inwardly, we can be growing closer to God and we can be strong in the Lord. And this is why we see our our, uh, brothers and sisters in the church family who are a little bit chronologically older than us. Their, Their bodies look old, but they have strong faith. Why? Because they're being renewed day by day. And this is something that God wants all of us to engage in. Young and old, that we can be renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. In other words, it's changeable. The things that we see, things that we're facing, they are changeable. They are temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. The part of you, that your soul, your spirit that's going to live on for eternity, we don't actually see that. We can see your physical body. But when we are renewed spiritually, it can have an effect on what we do with our bodies. And specifically, last week we talked about healing. As we received communion, we talked about these spiritual truths that will affect our physical body. And then the second part, which we didn't actually have time to address that goes along with communion, um, is this forgiveness piece, which is so so important. And it's central to Christian doctrine for us to embrace forgiveness, to us be, to, for us to be renewed in this idea that God actually forgives sins and how important it is for us to know that he who was without sin, Jesus, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, that we could actually have this relationship with God without which we would be hopeless for eternity. Aren't you thankful for that today? That Jesus became sin so that we could actually have a relationship with God. This realization is so important that God offers us forgiveness. And how important is it for a holy God to offer to unrighteous people, which would be us, this opportunity to have a relationship with him again? And because we are unholy and he is holy, how are we going to walk with him without the gift of forgiveness? to be able to receive this and know how important this is. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says this, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. That God lavished upon us his grace. Are you thankful for that this morning? He did this in all wisdom. And it should be one of the things that we praise God for. It was one of the things that we sang about this morning. That God lavishes upon us like an overabundance of grace, an overabundance of forgiveness that God sends our way. And he did this in all wisdom and insight. Forgiveness expresses the character of the merciful God. He eagerly pardons sins. It is his nature. It's, it's not a right. In other words, we are not owed it because of something we have done, but it's exclusively a gracious expression of a loving God. Thank God for forgiveness. Now, if you have some um, sort of religious background and it could be wide and varying, that we can experience shame and guilt because of the sins that we have committed. We can just live in this spot thinking, oh my gosh, I've, I've transgressed against God and I've done this. And then again, shame and guilt can just overwhelm our lives. And it hasn't helped um, in church history with some of the 
church leaders just came along with that as sort of heap guilt and condemnation upon us when we've sinned. Did anyone ever grow up in a church, a religious situation like that, where you just felt so guilty? Now, it's good to know when you mess up, but it's also good to know that you can come to God for forgiveness, that he lavishes upon us his grace, that God doesn't want us to live in guilt and shame. The the Bible tells us in Romans chapter eight, verse one, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So those of us that have said yes to Jesus, we're not supposed to be condemned when we sin and when we mess up. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to run to God because he eagerly forgives. He lavishes upon us his grace. Now, for some people in the room, we're like, yeah, yeah, Pastor Brown, I know, no big deal. Forgiveness, good, gotta love it. We really need to appreciate it. And we also need to know that there aren't, not everybody in the room is in the same place realizing and understanding how important forgiveness is. Because we could just, again, we could just live under this constant shame and guilt from our past. But there's no condemnation in Christ. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says this, I... I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, God says, and I will not remember your sins. Forgiveness is God's free, undeserved gift to you. Now, since we know that, we know how important that is, and God is full of grace, does that mean that we should be light on sin? You'd be like, man, God offers us forgiveness. I can just live a life of sin and I can run back to him. You know, we're kind of missing the point if we think about forgiveness that way. We have to think about forgiveness as, as a, we're in this relationship with God and we're not constantly trying to get close to the line, you know, because sometimes people will ask me questions about various sins and they will ask it in such a way. Does the Bible say that I can't do X, this? Does the Bible say specifically, explicitly that I can't engage in this? And a lot of times I, I, I will have to say, well, no, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that you can't do this. But then my follow-up is you're asking the wrong question. If you're in a relationship with someone whom you love and they love you, you're not asking how close to the line can I get to mess up the relationship? And I've given this example before, but I wouldn't go and ask my wife, babe, what is the number of women other than you that I can flirt with that would be a problem? (laughs) Is that a good question, ladies? (laughs) It's not a good question. It's a stupid question. Why? Because we are in a loving, committed relationship. It's the same way with God. We're not trying to get close to the line of sin. We're trying to stay away from the line of sin. Because we know that sin destroys us. Sin destroys. This is why God hates sin. Why does God say it him? Because he's just angry and mad? No, the reason God hates sin is because it messes up our lives, destroys our lives, destroys the lives of some people that we're in relationship sometimes. Has anyone ever been affected negatively by someone else's sin? Man, I have. So we don't want to just walk in sin and get close to the line. We're trying to stay away from the line here. The book of Romans deals with this idea. Romans chapter 6, verse 14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So we're living in this place of grace where God offers us forgiveness. 
What then are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. It's the question. Should we be thinking about, okay, what can I get away with? What can I do? How close to the line can I get? Verse 16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one of whom you obey either sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness? So in other words, think about what you're doing. Here's the presentation. When we sin, we're going to make ourselves slave to that thing. And we all know that if we've, we've had some sort of negative habit in our lives, that we just become a slave to that thing. But we don't want to become a slave to sin, even though forgiveness is available to us. We want to be obedient, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that whom you were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, we have become slaves of righteousness. So we're set free from sin and the effects of sin and the eternal effects of sin in our lives. So we shouldn't be wanting to go back into a life of sin. We are in this loving relationship with God. There's nobody that loves you more than God. So we shouldn't be looking to get close to the line, even though forgiveness is available to us. But how important, again, is this notion of forgiveness? We are supposed to be renewed by the idea of forgiveness. And, you know, sometimes some people are worried about, you know, again, growing up in a religious context, they might think, maybe I've committed the impardonable sin. And, and I, would, I would say this humbly, if you're asking the question, you haven't. Really, the unpardonable sin is committing, saying that the works of God are actually from the devil. If people are doing this with malice of heart and angrily, and you, you haven't done that. You haven't committed the unpardonable sin. God offers us forgiveness. There is nothing too big that you've done, that you've committed for the grace of God. The grace of God overcomes it all. All of your past, all of your mistakes, all of the things that you've done wrong, God's righteousness, God's grace is bigger than that. He forgives. It's his nature. But as wonderful and beautiful as this forgiveness is that we have from God, the harder part is me reflecting forgiveness to others. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank God. God is perfect. God always forgives. You and I are not perfect. And it's a struggle to forgive sometimes. It's a struggle to let those things go. When you've been wronged, have you ever been wronged? Have you ever been done wrong? Can you see their face? Can you remember the day? Do you know what they were wearing? Forgiveness of other people that is actually supposed to be reflected in our lives is not easy. But forgiveness is a foundational characteristic of the family of God. It's foundational. It's central to doctrine and it's central to what we do. To forgive, listen to what it means. To release from bondage or imprisonment. It means to pardon. It means letting go as if they never committed the trespass. It means remission of the penalty. 
It means to release on the part of the creditor without any expectation that the debt will be repaid. It means to cancel the debt. And that's what happens to us in relationships sometimes when, when something goes wrong, and there's varying degrees to that, which we'll talk about here in a second. But there is created a creditor-debtor situation when somebody sins against you, when somebody comes against you or does something towards you. There's sort of an inequity in the relationship. And we think automatically, they owe me something. This thing that they did, this thing that they said, there's something that they owe me. And a lot of times we just think they, they owe me an apology and then sometimes they need to make restitution. And you know, sometimes we're not even sure what we think that they can do for us to make this right, but there's just something wrong between us. But the idea, the doctrine, the family characteristic of forgiveness is still true. That we would keep on forgiving endlessly and not carry a grudge. What are the alternatives to forgiveness? The first one is revenge. And this is automatic in our flesh, right? If, if somebody were just to, if somebody were to be standing beside your mother and you were standing three people and they slapped your mother, what would you do? <laughs> Boom. Just revenge would just be automatically in your flesh. We're, we're just gonna get back, right? It's just, it's just automatic. You know, we, we live in uh, Milton and so sometimes on the way to church we'll pass by the prison there right at the highway so you know you look up statistics about how many people are in there and different things and you know one of the reasons for prison is not just for them you know to repay their debt to society and different things like that for them to be rehabilitated another reason for prison is to reduce revenge in society did you know that right because this is an automatic human nature thing. Because if somebody does something against me, we automatically think, I'm going to get back. And then uh, the alternative, again, to forgiveness, revenge, and then bitterness. Just something, and this is an unseen thing. This is a thing that can just exist in my heart. The unforgiveness just becomes this thing that I hold and I hold and it, and it changes how I see the world changes how I see relationships. It, it changes how I engage in relationships. But this is why forgiveness is so powerful and so necessary to be reflected in our lives. Because God, as we mentioned last week, God doesn't want those things that have happened in our past, whether we've done or have been done to us, he doesn't want those things to define our future. He wants his grace and his love and his purposes to define our future and not these things that have happened to us. And, it, and it's hard to forgive and it's complicated sometimes to forgive, but it's central. Jesus in the Lord's prayer talks about that we would forgive as he forgives us. And so how do, how do we deal with somebody who hurt us? And, and then maybe they're not sorry. Or, or maybe they're not sorry enough. Or maybe they've moved away and it's impossible for you to reconcile with them. Or maybe they've passed away. And so there's no apology coming and somehow we just can't shake this thing. 
that I, I've sort of done away with revenge, and, but I'm just holding this thing in my heart. And this is why forgiveness is so important. Now, there's levels to the things that would happen to us. I would say kind of on, on the minor level would be that we could be offended, that we could get our feelings hurt, that we could be ignored, or there could be unmet expectations. That's something we thought somebody would do and then they didn't do it. So all of these things, generally speaking, are things that after they happen, you can reconcile. You can have a discussion and you say, you know, this thing and you did it and they're like, I'm sorry. Or here's the reason why this happened. You're like, oh, I didn't know. And so all of those different things are generally speaking kind of minor. And we could get past those things and we could forgive those things. And again, we seemingly, it's like, oh, that's easier to forgive Things that are maybe a little bit harder, maybe on a higher level, a deeper level of of pain, would be broken trust. It's hard to get back broken trust or, or it's hard to give trust back to somebody when you feel like they've broken trust with you. Something else, have you ever been betrayed? That hurts. And again, that's not hurting your physical body, but it's this unseen thing. And then I would say kind of on the worst level, and this could be described many different ways, is abuse. If you've ever faced abuse of any kind, that these things, when there's an inequity created in the relationship, it's like, it's hard to get back. And again, depending on the relationship or lack of relationship or whatever the case may be, these things, but it's just harder for me to offer forgiveness because what they did to me was so egregious, was so bad. Are you telling me, Pastor Brent, that I should forgive this person? That I should let this thing go? That I should treat it like they didn't actually do anything to me? Now, again, when we, we were talking about forgiveness, we have to understand exactly what forgiveness is, that there's always a cost to forgiveness, What did it cost God to forgive us? Jesus shed blood. So forgiveness is free to us, but it cost Jesus his life. So there was a cost for us to walk in eternal forgiveness. And what is the cost to us when we offer forgiveness for all of these things that have happened to us? Well, we're doing away with the option of revenge. I'm not trying to take them down. I'm not with my thoughts at night trying to get away with a crime that nobody would find out about. So it costs me that. And then what else does it cost me when I forgive? It costs me the opportunity to remain bitter. And really, you don't want that opportunity. You don't want to remain bitter. You don't want to hold yourself in this place of bitterness. And again, the idea of forgiveness actually says that what they did to you was wrong. It's not saying when you forgive somebody, you're like, well, no big deal. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal. That's why you need to forgive them. It hurt. That's why you need to forgive. It actually wasn't right. That's why you need to forgive. It's actually saying that the thing that happened to you shouldn't have happened. This is why we need to let it go. Because otherwise, it will define us. 
And it will change all of our relationships and it will change how we engage in our lives. Now, when we think about forgiveness, again, it doesn't mean that somebody's not going to face the consequences of their actions. Because again, in the most severe cases, the, the most severe case of abuse, where somebody had to ha- have 911 called on them, there's consequences to those actions, right? They're going to face consequences. We're going to face consequences in life. But even somebody facing those consequences, societal consequences, you and I still need to choose to forgive. It's not easy, is it? But it is a characteristic of the family of God that I'm choosing to let go, that they don't owe me anything anymore. Because a lot of times they're not coming back to say sorry anyway. So we are choosing to forgive. Let's read about here, forgiveness in the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is talking about forgiveness. Matthew 18 is all about the kingdom of God, the ways of the kingdom of God. And here he's talking about forgiveness. Then Peter came up to him and said to him, Lord, how many, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. In other words, I, I need forgiveness. You're obviously talking about it, but I kind of want to opt out. Can I opt out at eight? <laughs> then I don't have to forgive anymore. You know, I'm not worrying about it because this is a thing that you're teaching us about, but like is seven times enough? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Now, we'll define that here in a second. That doesn't mean that 78 times, okay, I'm out. I don't have to forgive anymore. This is an eternal thing in the family of God that we are the forgiving family. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So he's giving us a story now to help us to understand forgiveness. When he began to settle... One was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is an extreme number. This is an impossible number. It's hard for us to understand. It's kind of like a gazillion. You know what I mean? I owe you a gazillion dollars. In other words, I could never pay it back. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had. And this was a practice in the time. And payments to be made. So the, the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. And this is what we should do. We should realize that we owe this debt to God that we could never pay. A holy God that we've committed sins against him. We violated his law in every way. That we would fall on our knees and just realize who we are. Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This is what God did for us, right? But when that same servant, what servant? The servant that was forgiven went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. In other words, a pittance compared to what he owed. Just this minor infraction. And this is what the guy who was forgiven is now doing to somebody else. And seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused. And went out to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw this, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master, the master who had forgiven the original debt, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And you have not had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy 
to you, what is the answer to that question? Yes, I should have. I should have had mercy. Verse 34, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will with you do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. We have been forgiven a debt that we couldn't ever pay back to God. And so then we can't take something that's happened to us and say, we're never gonna forgive. This is not the kingdom way. And again, the reason God wants us to forgive is not actually for the other person. They don't even need to know that you forgave them. And in fact, sometimes they don't care. They don't. They don't actually think what they did was wrong. They betrayed you, but they thought you were ju- you, they were justified in their actions. The forgiveness part is for you. It's not for them. It's for you not to live in a constant state of how do I get back? How do I revenge, avenge this situation? Constantly having bitterness in your heart towards this person. Scripture tells us to pray for them who despitefully use you. You pray for your enemies. Why? Because God knows if we don't, we hold ourselves in this place of bitterness and then we hold ourselves back. And as I've, I've told you before, certain instances in my life, I knew that the scripture was true, this true and what God was asking me to do. And my prayer was as simple as this for the person that had betrayed me. God bless him if you can. That's all I had at the beginning. But I knew I had to pray for them. I knew I couldn't hold it because then it would hold me back because then it's the, it's the only story I tell. It's the only thing that I have to talk about is what they did to me. And God doesn't want us to stay there. That's why he gives us forgiveness because he doesn't want our past to hold us back. But then we can allow our past, what's happened to us, to hold us back when we don't forgive Now, the question about the 77, what was Jesus referring to with the 77? Um, One of Cain's descendants, we know Cain killed Abel. But here, way back in Genesis 4, verse 23, Lamech was one of Cain's descendants, and he was not a good dude. And it says this, Lamech said to his wives, and this is kind of a song or a poem that Lamech came up with as it relates to his exploits. And let's hear what his exploits were. Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wise of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. In other words, I, what type of guy was Lamech? Somebody hurt me, I killed them. And Jesus is saying about the forgiveness of God that it's the exact opposite way. It is just what we do. It's an eternal number. Because how many of you can't kill somebody 77 times, right? But this is just, this is being consumed with revenge and bitterness. And what do we, what do we need to be consumed with? The forgiveness that's been given to us. A debt that we couldn't pay back. 
that we now reflect in our lives to others. And forgiveness is not about you being a doormat. It's not about you remaining in a dangerous, abusive situation. Those circumstances, again, you know, generally speaking, the things that are happen- happening to us aren't those things. But I'm talking about these extreme things. You don't have to put yourself in extreme, abusive situations thinking that I'm doing the things of God. In the same chapter, chapter 18, let's read about what Jesus said for us to do. Luke 18, uh, sorry, Matthew 18, verse 15 says this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. So don't suffer in silence. If something happens in a relationship, go talk to them. Don't stew on it. A lot of times, again, in these more minor things, people don't even know that they've done it. Go talk to them and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. Can't you think of the majority of the situations in your life? If you were to do this, this is what happens, right? Someone's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I did that. I apologize. Any married people in the room, this is what you should do. Go talk to your spouse. Don't stew on it. Go talk to them. Gained a brother. Most situations will be taken care of. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And our whole legal system is based on this. But anyway, we won't talk about that right now. But they didn't listen to you. And so what do you do? You take some other people, Right? We're going we're gonna to have a different type of conversation. We're going to have a family conversation. We're going to have a friend conversation. Why? Because we want to work this thing out. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. In other words, tell it to the greater group, the group, whatever group you're a part of. We're going we're to go talk to this group. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let it be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, somebody that you don't have a relationship with, somebody that you're not in relationship with. It takes two to reconcile. And again, as it relates to severe situations, I'm not talking about most of the things that happen to us in our lives. Severe, abusive relationships where trust has been broken. Generally speaking, that person that's been abused doesn't want to be in relationship with the abuser. Am I right? But that person that's been abused is not excused from the idea of forgiveness. And in fact, it's a really good idea. It's not saying what they did was right. But you don't want to let that thing hold you back. It's not you being a doormat. Something happens. Do you go talk to somebody? Have the uncomfortable conversation. Do you like uncomfortable conversations? I kind of do, but it's a little bit of a personality flaw. (laughs) It's hard sometimes. Go have it though. Go have the uncomfortable conversation so that you can reconcile and the relationship can be restored. But in a situation where the relationship can't be restored, we still need to forgive. We still need to release it. So this thing is not holding us back. Because ultimately, in unforgiveness, bitterness holds us back and does nothing to the person who perpetrated the act. They don't even know that you're bitter towards them most of the time. And it's holding you back and it's doing nothing to them. That's what somebody said one time as a saying is like, unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison 
and hoping it, it affects the other person. Colossians 3, we're almost done. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones. In other words, this is the family of God. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. See, part of the reality of forgiving somebody else is that we should know humbly that we are also going to need forgiveness sometimes, aren't we? Everybody in the room, it's a yes. You, as good as you are, and as super saved as you are, you are going to need forgiveness sometimes too, so we can't hold it back. Because what are we going to want? What are we going to expect from our brothers and sisters? We're going to expect forgiveness. We're going to desire forgiveness. I messed up. Humbly. We humbly give forgiveness because we are going to need it. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. This is a family characteristic. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness with which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. See, here's the sad part about unforgiveness and bitterness. It doesn't just stay in your heart. You affect and infect other people with your bitterness because it becomes the story you tell. And then that person knows something about that person and then it just becomes a thing that continues and continues and it just many are defiled because of bitterness. Finally, this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The forgiveness that God renews us with should be reflected to those around us. Let's pray today. God, we love you so much today. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness today. We are humbled by it, knowing that we could have never repaid the debt of sin. But Jesus, you came and loved us so much that you sacrificed yourself for us so that we could be the righteousness of God, that you took our sin, that you became our sin so that we could have a relationship with God. We are eternally grateful for your forgiveness, Lord. But God, we just take a moment and we just examine our own hearts today. Thinking about any areas, any people that we might not have forgiven. Any people that we might be holding bitterness towards. God, today we choose to let that go. They don't owe us anything anymore. We canceled the debt like you canceled ours. We don't carry it around with us. We don't let that define us. We let your word define us. We let your love define us. We let your purposes for our lives define us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
just one practical thing about forgiveness again, you know, sometimes people will ask me, um, how do I know when I've truly forgiven them? And that's because sometimes we, we feel it. We, we say, Lord, I forgive them. And then we feel it again. We remember, we rehearse the story in our mind. And we just have to keep saying in those moments when that story pops up in our mind, we just say, Lord, I forgive them. And it might not be, might not happen in a day. It might not happen in a week. It might take a little while. Sometimes as it keeps popping up, Lord, I forgive them. And I'm choosing not to think about that thing anymore. And in the situation that I described to you about the Lord bless them if you can, I'm not exactly how long it took me to forgive that. It took a while, but now I really don't think about it anymore. And then if it ever pops up in my mind, I just pray for them. And it's a little bit longer prayer than the Lord bless them if you can. But just keep at it. Every day, every day. I mean, again, it depends on the severity of the thing that happened to you. But this is the practice that we're called to, the practice of forgiveness. Hey, if you are here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God. We, we've talked about what God offers us today, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you are not a Christian today, you are not a follower of Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second and I invite you to pray along with me. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've wandered away from God. Maybe something happened to you in a church context and it, it, it's hard for you. Um, to be a part of church because some Christian hurt your feelings and so we sort of feel distant from God. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God is inviting you again to experience his forgiveness and his love. You pray along with me as well today. The gospel, the good news is what we said earlier, that Jesus became sin, took our sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. And it's just a gift today that God offers to us. And all we have to do is say yes. So church, let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud. Praying with somebody who might be praying for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ today. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He took our sins so we could know you. And so today I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who made the decision for the first time this morning. If that was you, if you just made a commitment right now to follow Jesus, or maybe you recommitted yourself to following his ways, uh, we celebrate with you and we don't want you to do this journey of faith alone. So make sure you take the connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, check out, I have decided to follow Jesus and turn it into the info desk in our main lobby and have a team there ready to greet you and celebrate you and celebrate one of the best decisions you've made whole entire life and give you some resources there for your new journey of faith. 
City Church, are you glad that you came to church this weekend on a Sunday, a summer Sunday? We're so thankful that you're here. Um, I want to remind you of a couple of announcements um, that Isabel made earlier today. want to remind you about water baptism. If you're interested in that or you want to uh, get baptized in September, make sure you head on over to the info desk. They'll get you all of that information. And as well, our young adults, we have our clothing swap happening in the back patio right after our 11 a.m. service. I'm going to invite you to stand as we get ready uh, to be dismissed here. If you came to church this morning hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, our leaders, they're making their way down to the front of the stage right now. Right after I dismiss you in a couple of moments, feel free to come up to any one of them. They are not scary, I promise. And they'll be more than happy to pray with you. Awesome City Church. Thank you so much for being with us this weekend. We love you. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. You are dismissed. Have a great week.